0: False Chance Ranch by Ranger and Rolf, Chapter 8, Part 1 The dogs were less than happy at being prevented from following Flynn. Paul took their food out to the barn, fed them there, and shut them in while Dale took the tack from Gucci, cleaned it, and then her, since she was hot and dusty from the long ride. They won't like being shut in, Paul said wryly to Dale as he shut the barn door on the dogs and latched it, but they're safe in there, and they won't be able to wander up and see where Flynn's gone. I'm going to lock up everything else. We're done for the day. Come in and shower as soon as you're finished, love. Riley was waiting in the kitchen doorway as soon as Dale came inside and followed him into the bathroom, leaning against the wall while Dale stripped off and ducked under the shower. "'Did you see it? How close was it? Whereabouts?' "'It was within sight of the horses. I don't know the stretch of river,' Dale said over the roar of the shower. He ducked his head under the spray for a moment, sluicing dust from his hair. "'I was walking along the river bank with the dogs, and it was crossing the river about twenty feet away.' "'You got that close?' Riley demanded. "'I didn't see it until it was that close. It stopped and growled, probably more at the dogs than me.' They were both snarling jasper grabbed ash i got a hold of tam and we stood still and the cougar ran off the bank and went into the woods we looked over the horses none of them had been attacked i wonder why it's after the horses and not the sheep riley tossed dale a towel as he stepped out of the shower they're much easier targets that makes no sense at all possibly it's relying on the shelter of the brush by the river and the horses are closer dale toweled down after several weeks here immune to any concern at riley watching as riley was not shy himself and did not like doors getting in the way of good conversation I don't know anything about them. Do they rove, or do they have permanent dens? I've got no idea. Jazz would know. Bandit must be madder than fury. Riley followed him out of the bathroom as he emerged, towel round his hips, and headed upstairs for clean clothes. What's Jazz planning to do? Couldn't he get a clear shot at it? It happened too fast, and we have the dogs to think about. Dell dug in the drawer for clothes and dropped them on the bed, pulling a clean shirt over his head. By the time he had the rifle and was in range, it was disappearing into the woods. Jasper said he was planning to sit with the horses and wait for it. It was stalking the horses. it would probably come to them without needing him to track it. I ought to be up there, too. Riley grabbed Dale's abandoned towel and stuffed it in the clothes hamper, leading the way downstairs as Dale finished fastening his jeans. Paul? No, Paul's voice said from the kitchen. Dale came down the last two stairs and followed Riley, running wet hair back from his face. Riley was leaning against the counter while Paul washed his hands, calm-faced and unmoved. No, no way, not under any circumstances. If we all go up there... Then we'll all get each other's way and make sure that nothing happens except that everyone's too tired to do anything useful tomorrow. If Jazz and Flynn want help, they'll ask for it. I don't want to hear any more. Paul added as Riley opened his mouth. You're grounded to the house today anyway. This is exceptional circumstances, Riley protested. How often do we see a cougar? If I can help it, I plan on never seeing one at all, Paul said placidly. Go and find something to do. Paul. Paul turned off the taps and shook off his hands, just as serene in face and voice. Last chance. Riley growled and went into the family room, digging his hands deep into his pockets. Dale sat down on one of the couches near him, winking his hands behind his knees. It was the first time, apart from the very short evenings after dinner, he'd found himself for three times since he first came here. In the kitchen, Paul could be heard opening cupboards and drawers, assembling ingredients for the evening meal. Riley scuffed at the rug he was standing on for a minute, then caught Dale's eye and jerked his head at the stairs. Curious, Dale followed him upstairs under the main landing, where he turned left as though he was headed towards his room at the end of the hall. There was a door, just off the hall near Riley's room, which Dale had always assumed was another closet. Riley opened it onto a short hallway with a window, off which led one door standing half-open on a room Dale couldn't see much of other than a flash of dark red rug. A short wooden staircase stood on the left, and Riley led the way up, opening a door onto a low-ceilinged room with an admiral's chair behind a leather-topped desk, several large, framed photographs of forces hanging on the walls, filing cabinets, and a computer. The room through there is Paul's office. He uses that for writing. Riley informed Dale, taking a seat behind the desk and turning on the computer. Dale looked out of the small window, taking stock of where in the house they were. This house is a rabbit warren. There's rooms hidden everywhere. Am I supposed to know this room exists? No, Riley said bluntly, signing in on the computer. I didn't think so, Dale said dryly. What are you looking for? Whether cougars have dens. Naturally. What the heck is this? Riley demanded as a page came up. Dale came to look over his shoulder and found himself grinning. I think it's a very different definition of a cougar den. I'd leave that side alone. Riley hissed, searching for the back button. The trouble is, I hardly ever use the damn machine, and I have no idea how to word searches. Paul's a computer geek in so much as any of us actually use it, and he writes on a laptop. They don't believe in it except as a necessary evil for business. It probably doesn't get switched on more than once a week. Come here. Dale leaned over his shoulder, switching search engines and rewording the search. A minute later, Riley grabbed for a pen, scribbling notes from what Dale was scrolling through. "'One male has a territory of up to a hundred square miles? That's ridiculous! "'We'll shelter in brush, ledges, but if they're ranging over that kind of distance, "'they can't be that consistent about returning to the same dens?' "'I'd imagine they stay around where the hunting is good,' Dale said, scrolling through another site. "'Nocturnal. Cover prey with leaves and grass after feeding, and return to eat later. "'May hunt as rarely as once in two weeks. Solitary animals. "'Ah, territories of males overlap. No permanent dens, but will move between temporary shelters as it ranges through its territory.' Can travel up to 25 miles a night on a hunt. Well, if that's the case, Flynn Jasper may not see it at all tonight, and it may well be clear the ranch by tomorrow morning. It's still odd that it's out during the day. Riley pocketed the scrawled notes. I bet Jas would know more. He tracked the last one that got dangerous. Where did he get the skills from? Dale watched Riley shut the computer down. He said something about growing up on a small holding with his grandfather, a few domestic animals. His grandfather was Cherokee. Riley turned off the monitor and got up, putting the chair back beneath the desk or at least a descendant of dove some of the tribe hit up in the virginia mountains when the rest were cleared out to reservations he taught jazz to track they hunted all kinds of things when he was a kid we've always known there were cougars around below the falls on the edge of the woods there always have been but there's only one that ever was a problem and we've never had one come this far into the ranch possibly there's something wrong with it dale said wryly from what i understand animals get aggressive and dangerous when the territory is overcrowded and the hunting bad the hunting isn't bad up there which suggests this particular cougar is staying near easy prey Maybe it's disabled or ill. Well, if they don't get it tonight, it'll make a mess of work, Riley said darkly, leading the way back down the stairs. The last time, Jazz and Flynn wouldn't let anyone go anywhere near that area without going in pairs, so it took twice as long to do everything. If there were four of us up there tonight, they'd have double the chance of spotting it, and twice the noise, and twice the human presence. Dale privately thought Jasper knew what he was doing, but kept that opinion to himself. It was a long, quiet evening that was actually not in the least dull. Filling time like this would have been a foreign concept just a month ago. Paul called for help in preparing dinner. They ate together, spent some time on the clearing up, and then settled in the family room where they played cards for the hour or so before Paul sent Dale upstairs at eight. Paul himself came up at eight-thirty, accepting the book Dale surrendered to him with a rather wry smile. You're so good. I'd have to pry this out of Riley's hands. What about other clients? Dale asked lightly. Paul shook his head. Very individual, but most find the restrictions a lot harder to accept than you seem to. Or rather, they have a harder time understanding them than I think you do. That was a surprisingly acute observation. Paul stooped to kiss his cheek, something that he did nightly and that Dale had learned to accept gracefully since Paul didn't seem able to help it. Sleep well. If you have any trouble in the night, come and call me. I'm not Flynn, but I can manage tea and sympathy until Flynn gets back. Do you think they'll get it tonight? Dale asked as Paul reached the door. Paul propped it at the half open that Flynn did each night. I hope so. It would save a lot of trouble if they did. It seemed only five minutes later that Riley's voice was in his ear, low and urgent. Dale. Dale, they're not back. Dale turned over and Riley let go of his shoulder. It was still dark outside, but gray rather than black in a way that meant dawn was coming. The house was very still, and there were not even the usual distant sheep sounds outside. Dale felt for his watch and found that the time stood at 4 a.m. Riley was dressed with a sweater pulled on over his shirt. They haven't come back yet. They may not have seen it yet, Dale pointed out. We'd better go take them some breakfast then. Riley said cheerfully under his breath. It'll be light by the time we get up there. And Paul's going to love you running out when he said no last night, Dale said pointedly, and winced, realizing what he was saying. All right, forget I said that. It's morning. We just went to take them some breakfast. There's no harm in that, is there? Riley grabbed Dale's folded clothes from the chair and dropped them in his lap. Don't you want to have a look for this thing yourself? I've seen it, Dale muttered back, sliding out of bed to get dressed. It's a damn great line with teeth, and I was about 200 feet too close at the time. "'Wuss,' Riley retorted. "'Be quiet. I'm going to go get horses.' "'He slipped out and left Dale alone to dress, "'not even sure why he was following Riley's lead. "'Although if grown men chose to take the risk "'of riding around near a cougar, "'then they were taking their chances as adults were entitled to do, "'there was surely a limit to how much Paul "'really meant that no.' "'Who are you trying to convince? "'You think they didn't mean it yesterday "'when they grounded Riley for swimming instead of working. "'Riley thought they meant it, "'and he didn't argue either. "'Yet Riley didn't seem to care about that right now. "'Pulling on socks and a sweater over his shirt. Dale slipped out onto the landing, glanced towards Paul's door, and made his way downstairs. "'I have no idea why I'm even doing this.'" Except, as he stepped quietly out of the kitchen door to the veranda and shut the door softly behind him, he realized he was having more fun than would have seemed at all possible at 4 a.m. in the morning. Riley had tack on Snickers and Gucci, who were standing side by side outside the corral. Dale picked up the rucksack by the kitchen door, checking through it briefly as he went to join Riley. A loaf of bread, bottles of water, and a packet of cookies— Not exactly a substantial breakfast, but enough to keep Flynn and Jasper going if they had run out of food overnight. Riley was attaching one rifle to his saddle as Dale reached him, and was stuffing spare cartridges into his pockets. He held out another rifle to Dale and a handful of cartridges, both of which Dale accepted in shock. "'I wouldn't know what to do with this!' "'You've shot a gun before, haven't you?' "'Not since an adventure holiday, when I was about twelve. Dale retorted. Riley took the rifle from him, broke it open, and loaded it, pushing the cartridges into place." There and there. Straighten it like this. That's how to cock it. That's the safety catch. It's automatic. Leave that alone, and if you need to shoot it, I'll tell you what to do. They're only basic light-air rifles. Flynn took the heavier ones out with him. Attach it to your saddle like that, and you're not going to accidentally shoot yourself or the horse. Having attached the rifle for Dale, Riley swung up into Snicker's saddle and gathered up his reins, waiting for Dale to mount, and they set the horses at a brisk trot up the dark driveway towards the open land. It was getting light by the time they came through the second gate and reached the part of the ranch that was referred to as the tops. The mile upon mile of high, free-range pasture west of the river where Bandit and his brood mare grazed the winter. Riley signaled to Dale when they were a mile or two further in, with no sight of the horses, and nodded him at the river. Better stop and let the horses drink, and wait a bit. We'll be less likely to get our heads bitten off if it's properly daylight. That seems a bit optimistic. Dale followed him towards the river and swung down to the ground, tying up the reins and letting Gucci go, the mare eager for water. The river ran wide and shallow here, moving quickly over a bed of pebbles and rocks with larger bolts framing it on the banks. Gucci stepped out ankle-deep in the water to drink, head lowered. Stickers came down towards the water further up the bank, and Dale saw Riley step out across the rocks, looking between the trees. bet the cougar has taken sheep. He's probably got carcasses hidden around here if we looked in the right places. The website said they hid meat under grass and leaves. It's a lot of land to search, Dale pointed out. If we don't look, we'll never know, Riley retorted. Dale folded his arms as the morning was still chilly, looking back downstream. The movement caught his eye before he recognized the shape. A horse, large with mane and tail almost ghostly in the thin light. A bandit, apparently after a drink. He was some way down river, sipping out into the water. There really was no denying that he was magnificent. Dale stood for a moment, admiring him, and it took longer to see what it was that bandit was watching. The man was still wearing only a white shirt despite the cold of the morning. It was open at the neck, and its sleeves were rolled above his elbows, and his dark hair was scattered as though he'd been out through the night. There was nothing in his hands. He was standing on the rocks on the far bank of the river, and he had lifted a hand to catch Dale's attention. Between them, moving swiftly across the rocks, standing proud of the water, came something very pale, low to the ground and heading directly. Dale grabbed for Gucci, snatched the rifle from the saddle, and slapped Gucci hard on the flank, strolling the horse which leapt up to the bank and out of the path of the cougar. Further upstream, Snickers looked up and promptly reared an alarm, backing up the riverbed. There was no time to run or to do anything. The cougar was breaking from a fluid trot into a straight run towards him. Dale yanked the rifle up to his shoulder and fumbled for several awful seconds with the safety catch before it moved and he found the trigger with his finger. The sheer noise of the shot echoed in the early morning. The rifle rebounded hard onto Dale's shoulder, and the cougar leapt into the air, twisting. A second later, Bandit erupted upriver, sliding on the pebbles, making an unearthly scream that echoed more than the rifle shot had. His hooves were huge. Water was flying up around him, and he landed with his front feet almost directly on top of the cougar. There was a moment of terrible noise and massive, plunging horse and water spraying too much to see clearly. And then Bandit trampled on the spot a few more times, slamming his almighty hooves downward. Dale! Riley bellowed further upriver. Bandit shook his head, snorting. Riley came running down the riverbed, drunk to the waist and white-faced, and further in the distance, Dale heard horses galloping on the grass. Flynn burst down the bank and into the river, still in the saddle, rifle in one hand and pulling back on the reins as his horse slid and twisted in the water. Dale lowered the rifle, aware his hands were shaking. Get out of the water! Flynn thundered towards him and turned his horse towards Riley, who was trying to pass him mid-river. Riley, get back! Get out of the water! Dale scrambled up the bank as Jasper passed him, rifle in his hands, heading for Bandit and the cougar. It's dead! Dale shot it! Riley protested. Flynn abruptly folded the reins over one hand, and Dale heard Riley's yelp as Flynn thwacked them soundly across his backside. Get out of the damn river! Riley fled up the bank, and Jasper put her wary hand out towards the still-stamping and snorting stallion, stooping to look at what was visible of gold fur under the water. It's dead. Dale hit it in the chest and Bandit more than did the rest. Bandit snorted and lunged forward again, dropping both forefeet down on the body like a blacksmith slamming a hammer down on an anvil. Jasper leaped back out of his way and came up the bank, shaking water out of his face. Flynn nudged his horse out of the water and dismounted on the bank, hand outstretched to Dale. His face was impassive, but his eyes were livid, and his voice had a snap to it that would have silenced a parade ground. Give that to me, now! Dale handed the rifle to him swiftly, but first. Flynn discharged it and pocketed the cartridges. Where did you get this? I gave it to him, Riley said rather quietly, rubbing his backside with one hand. I thought if we were coming out here since when do you give clients guns? Flynn's roar made his horse jerk back in alarm. We have no idea if he's been taught. He might have killed himself or you as easily as a damn cougar. I thought it was safer, Riley pleaded. Flynn's snort was more than slightly similar to Bandit's. Safe? You think there's anything safe about hanging around rocks and cover with a cougar hunting here? What the hell are you two doing up here? We thought we'd bring you breakfast, Riley began, and flinched as Flynn detonated. You thought you'd come and get in on the action without one damn thought for your safety anyone else's. I'm going to make the whole concept of safe a damn sight clear to you, Riley. You two get back to the house now. Move. Riley moved instantly, and Dale followed him through the trees in search of their spooked horses. Dale paused briefly to look at the far bank, but the hunter, whoever the man was, who was in the woods on the far bank, was long out of sight. Obviously, he didn't want to attract Flynn or Jasper's attention, and at this moment, Dale couldn't blame him. Once Dale and Riley were out of sight, Jasper dropped a hand on Flynn's shoulder, who went to hammer, taking a coil of rope from the saddlebag. "'We're going to have to wait. Bandit's not ready to stop pounding on that thing yet. We're going to need to drag it clear of the water or it'll foul this whole stretch.' "'I'm going to kill them,' Flynn said grimly, putting the rifle down and coming to sit beside Jasper on the rocks by the river. "'Or rather, I'm going to kill Riley. I know damn well whose idea that was.' "'I'm surprised you got Dale to follow him that easily,' Jasper said dryly. The kind of responsibility he's held and the decisions he's made, I'd have expected him to have more sense. Would you? Flynn picked up a stone from the bank and savagely skipped it into the water, upstream to avoid Bandit. I wouldn't at all. Riley said nothing at all throughout the ride home. He put Snickers into the corral and Dale did the same with Gucci, following him across the yard to the house. Paul had the door open before they reached the steps, roughly dressed and looking, for Paul, more than slightly frazzled. The sight of him seemed to throw some switch in Riley. He'd moved at a slow, silent walk from the corral suddenly he ran up the steps in two or three strides and paul caught him and hugged him hard as riley bolted into him clutching around his neck all right paul said very calmly over his head it's all right dale are you okay did you two go where i think you went dale shot the cougar riley said without letting go of paul it went for us up by the river and dale shot it to get near you paul demanded does flynn know he and jazz heard the shot riley unwillingly let paul detach him and hold him off to see his face The cougar's dead. They sent us back here. Paul looked from Riley to Dale for a moment, then opened the kitchen door. Inside. Come on. He put the kettle on in the kitchen, which was already warm with the smell of bread. I had no idea what else to do, Paul said when he saw Dale look towards the oven. I didn't dare leave the house to go and look for you in case you or Flynn and Jasper came back to the house needing help. I was already worried enough about them being hurt or having trouble through the night and coming back freezing cold. Have you two any idea what it was like to find empty beds this morning? Riley heeled off his boots and sat down at the table, and Dale followed, more slowly taking the seat that Paul pulled out for him. Paul's quiet voice was actually just as hard to take as Flynn's bark. Paul leaned against the counter, facing the table and looking from one to the other of them. Riley, clearly shaken and upset, Dale as stiffly upright and controlled as if he's about to chair a board meeting. We left this morning without a word, he said quietly. We went up to take them breakfast, Riley began hopelessly. Paul interrupted him gently, but without compunction. Without a word, Riley. Why was that? Riley looked at the table. Paul waited a moment before he spoke, voice still soft. Riley, look at me and answer the question. I think I deserve at least that. Riley's head snapped up in distress. We didn't leave you. We just... you'd have worried about it. You're quite right, Paul said frankly. But since you've worried me sick anyway, I don't understand why that mattered to you. I just wanted to see... Riley pleaded. Jazz and Flynn were up there. It was daylight. It should have been safe. "'You asked me last night, and I said no,' Paul pointed out. "'The only difference between last night and this morning is about seven hours of time. "'Still dark, still no idea where the cougar was and in what state it was in. "'The answer was going to be the same, and both of you knew it.' "'Riley pulled an ugly face that Paul well understood "'was more based on controlling emotion than expressing it. "'It wasn't fair we were stuck down here when it was all happening up there.' "'He trailed off. Paul shook his head slowly, regretfully. "'I'm ashamed of you, Riley. I really am.' You put Dale and yourself in danger, without thinking for one second what could have happened. How do you think it felt for me to wake up and find you gone? To find the horses gone? To imagine where you might be and what state you'd be in if something had happened to you, or to Dale? Or the horses? Riley put his head in his hands, and Paul was aware of why, and that Riley was past justifying anything. He looked across at Dale, who looked at him several shades paler, although the board director body language hadn't faded. I'm ashamed of you too, Dale. While you're here, your safety is our responsibility. Your safety and well-being in general. I take that responsibility to heart. Dale felt the internal flinch and kept it from his face. It was impossible not to like Paul. It was harder still to feel that anything he had done had been hurtful or distressing to Paul. I apologize, he said carefully, aware that what his colleagues would have called the James Bond voice was slipping badly. Your responsibility to my sponsors or... I couldn't care less about your sponsors, Paul interrupted quietly. I'm responsible for you, and that matters a very great deal to me. I've let you down this morning, and that bothers me a lot and you're responsible to us too dale we don't treat each other like this we don't leave each other to worry or be frightened because we care about one another and there are obligations to those we care about do you understand that this was more awful than any client meeting dale could ever remember it was an effort to swallow the criticism was going home like a knife i should have stopped riley he said after a minute aware he was sounding strangled i apologize i should have thought how no this is not about riley paul stopped him you were not responsible to me for riley You were responsible to me for you. It isn't just Riley we care about or worry about. Don't you ever forget that and leave me to worry about you again. That was as disarming as it was shattering. Dale was aware of Paul taking a seat near him and of Paul's grasp on his wrist, finding himself stood beside Paul and Paul unfastening his jeans as simply as if he were a child. It was so natural as to be unremarkable. When Paul turned him over his knee, he went where Paul led him without question, felt Paul slip his shorts down in the shock and chill of being bare, and the short flurry of swaths were surprisingly sharp and painful. He had no idea of how many had fallen when Paul pulled his shorts back into place and helped him up, only that it had been very brief, so unsensational as to be child's play, and yet he was shockingly close to tears. Without moving Dale aside, Paul leaned over to take Riley's arm, and Riley said nothing, nor resisted, as Paul drew him close, unbuttoned his jeans and pulled them down and laid Riley across his lap. Riley's skin was pale when Paul slid his shorts down, and Dale found himself watching Paul's hand laid across Riley's back, the sharpness of his other hand slapping swiftly and smartly, leaving a hot pink flush in its wake. There was no more than eight or ten of those sharp smacks but the tears were obvious on riley's face when paul put him back on his feet waiting a moment for riley to fasten his jeans then he took them both into the family room standing riley on one side of the hearth facing the wall and dale on the other side there had not been the faintest urge to protest or resist pressing his forehead to the cold of the wall for a moment dale was aware of the acute smart of his backside which was rapidly fading to warmth and of a good deal of the distress at paul's obvious strength of feeling he had said nothing more dale heard paul in the kitchen and a few moments later there was a sound in the yard of horses Flynn and Jasper. A moment later, the kitchen door closed and they could hear nothing at all. As soon as Riley gave him a gun, I cringed so hard. My internal Wyoming upbringing was just appalled. <sighs> Riley, that was stupid. Also, obviously, the cougar came and got them. Also, I think that man is not a man, but might be a ghost. I have theories.